Hello once again, my brothers and sisters out there. This is Brother Sims once again. Just want to welcome you once again to the Christian Walk Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Get your Bibles ready. Let's go. Hey, hey, welcome once again. This is Brother Sims once again. Um, today we're going to be talking about living up to our Christian calling. Amen. In this Christian life, amen, God has standards for us to live to according to the Bible. Amen. Why? Because we represent Christ. Amen. Now we live holy not to be saved. We live holy because we are saved. Amen. So our lifestyle should reflect that. And with that being said, we're going to be coming from the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation where which you are called. Now, what is Paul saying there? Well, he's saying, listen, I'm begging you and I'm pleading with you that you live a lifestyle, right? That's worthy of the calling or the profession God has called us with. You know, we have to live to, up to our righteous standard. Amen. God wants us to live holy. The Bible says, be holy, for I am holy. Now, so God wants to live in such a way that's befitting or proper for our calling, not to be saved, but because we are saved and we represent him, as I once said. Second Timothy 1 and 9 says, who had saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So God called us before the world began. He called us within holy calling, right? So God wants us to what? Live holy. Amen. Because we represent him because he is holy. Now, moving down to verse 2 of Ephesians 4, it says, With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Now, he tells us, how, right, how we should walk, that we should walk, should I say, worthy. Then he tells us how to walk. Amen? See, a lot of times we don't think about things like this, but this is what God is saying here. First of all, he says, with all lowliness, this is what Paul is saying through Scripture, with all lowliness, that means humbleness, that means humility, that means as Christians we should exemplify Humility, we should be humble, right? First Peter 5 and 5 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. How many of y'all know it takes humility in order to submit to somebody else? And be clothed with humility, for God resisted the proud and giveth grace to the humble. I like what it says in the ERV, it says, you should all have a humble attitude. So God wants us to have an attitude of what? Humility. In dealing with each other, we're supposed to be humble, humble enough to submit to one another. It says God is against the proud, but he is kind to the humble. See, when we go to getting lifted up in pride, then God works against us. Amen. And then he moves on in Ephesians 4. It says in meekness. Now, first he says humility, now he says meekness. What is meekness? It's gentleness, right? It's having a mild disposition, a gentleness of spirit. 
Matthew 5 and 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So meekness means this. It means we have a meekness or a mild disposition toward God. This is the disposition of spirit in which we accept his dealing with us as good and therefore without disputing our resistance. See, when a person is meek and they are mild, they don't resist God. Amen. When God go to dealing with us, amen, we don't kick back. We don't kick and buck. We don't fight back. We don't resist. We submit to God. That's having a meek and a gentle. You know, if you think about animals, you know, if you, you ever seen a, a a gentle dog, a dog that has a gentle spirit, they're very, very submissive. Amen. When you say sit, they sit. They don't buck. They don't walk off. They don't get angry. They have a gentle spirit. And that's what God is saying there, the meek. Now, in the Old Testament, the meek are those who wholly rely on God rather than their own strength to defend against injustice. See, meek or mild-mannered people are oftentimes seen as weak because they tend not to retaliate against those who are against them. Meek people depend, trust in, and rely on God to vindicate them. You know, oftentimes, you know, that's just saying meekness is not weakness. It's because a lot of times people look at meek people as being weak, but actually it's a strength. It takes strength. And it takes trust in God to depend on God to vindicate you and not to take matters in your own hands. In fact, with that being said, I'm going to piggyback on that Romans 12 and 19. It says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto that. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, said the Lord. So God said, listen, I'm going to take vengeance. Don't avenge yourselves. Let me do it. Amen. So a lot of times we get ourselves in trouble when we try to take matters into our own hand. God is saying, let me handle it. You keep your, your hands clean. In fact, I know what to do, how to do, and when to do. So we got to be what? Trusting enough. Amen. We got to be meek enough or mild enough to allow God to take matters in his own hand. Amen. Instead of us putting it in our hands. Okay. Then it moves on and it says we're long suffering. Right. Now, what is that? That means patience. It means endurance. So, number one, we should be what? Patient with people. Amen. First Thessalonians 5 and 14 says, we ask you, brothers and sisters, to warn those who will not work, encourage those who are afraid, help those who are weak. And here it is right here. Be patient with everyone, right? See, we have to learn how to be patient with people. In fact, patience is a fruit of the Spirit, amen? And we have to grow in that area. We have to learn how to be patient with people and not allow impatience to cause us, amen, to treat people in such a way where we turn them off from Christ instead of drawing them to Christ, right? We have to be patient with people. Now, Number two, we are, we are long-suffering or we possess endurance in times of difficulty. Now, that word long-suffering also means endurance. So we, we have to have what? Endurance during times of difficulty. 2 Timothy 2 and 3 says, Thou therefore endure 
hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. All right, now, what does it mean to endure? It means to put up with without complaining. See, a lot of times we go through things, but as we go through, we are complaining the whole way through. That shows a lack of what? Endurance. That shows a lack of what? Long suffering. When a person has the fruit of patience working in them, that long suffering, that endurance, they're able to go through, amen, and not complain. Even though it may be painful, the situation may be hurtful and what have you, there's no complaining. Because a lot of times what we have to do is we have to look on the bright side, amen. Things could always be worse. It can always be worse. So at the same time we're going through, we got to look at the glass as half full and not as half empty. And then it goes on to say in Ephesians 4, it says, forbearing one another in love. Now what that means, that means to be tolerant of others. Amen. Colossians 3 and 13 says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So God wants us to do what? Tolerate one another. He wants us to want us to put up with one another. And we have to be forgiving towards one another. Right? I like what it says in the New Living. It says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Now, I remember uh, a disciple asking Jesus, how many times or how often should I forgive my brother his trespasses? Seven times? No, Jesus said seven times 70, right? And no one is going to offend us that many times. In one day. And it says make allowances for each other's faults. How many of us out there know we all have faults? None of us are perfect. So in order to live with people, we have to do what? And be in fellowship with people, we have to learn how to overlook each other's faults and see one another's needs. Amen. We have to learn how to, amen, just just let some stuff go. Forgive. Because what Jesus forgave us, don't hold on to it. Don't allow unforgiveness to take you into an area where it develops into bitterness. Amen. The Bible talks about bitterness. It says, thereby many are defiled. That bitterness have a way of infecting a lot of people. So we have to forgive. Live and let live. Amen. Let it go. Okay. Then it moves on and says in verse 3, it says, of Ephesians 4, it says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So what do you mean by endeavoring is that try hard to do or achieve something. See, it takes work to keep peace. In the New Living, it says, make every effort. See, it takes effort to keep peace, to keep yourself, excuse me, united in the spirit, binding yourself together with peace. Right. So we have to make every effort to stay united, to stay unified, binding ourselves together with peace. See, peace is that element that binds us together. 
And confusion is that element that what that separates us. So God wants us to do our very best to live in unity and peace with one another. Amen. Psalms 133 and 1 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. See, unity is a good thing, right? It's pleasant. You know, there's a pleasant atmosphere wherever there's unity. If you ever been in an uh, atmosphere where people together, people are on one accord, there's a, there's a sweet spirit in that type of atmosphere. But on the other hand, if it's a whole lot of confusion, a whole lot of drama, a whole lot of smoke, you know, as they say, it's a it's an atmosphere that's disruptive. It's an unpleasant atmosphere. It's the complete opposite of what a unified atmosphere is. Right? So God wants us to be unified. And he wants us us to live in peace with one another. Romans 12 and 18 says, if it be possible, as much as lied in you, live peaceably with all men. Right? If it's possible, it's not always possible. They say live peaceably with all men. Now that goes beyond just our Christian brothers and sisters. That goes to people on the job, family members, what have you. Wherever people are, we ought to do our very best to try to live at peace with everyone. In fact, that's what it says in the New Living. It says do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. See, we don't want no drama. We don't want no smoke. We want to be at peace with people. But we have to understand peace is not always possible, right? With those who don't desire peace. There are some people who don't desire to be at peace. Some people love a man to be humbuggish. Some people love to be in drama. That's why we call them drama queens and drama kings, right? So what you do in that situation? Well, in that type of situation, Separation becomes necessary. Consider Abraham and Lot. You know, in order to keep peace, Abraham, as much as he loved Lot, he had to separate himself from him, right? There, there rose up some strife between his herdsmen and Abraham's herdsmen. So in order to keep peace, they had to separate. It doesn't directly say Abraham and Lot. It says their herdsmen. But at the same time, at any rate, we have to do those things that make for peace. Sometimes separation is necessary. Okay, look what Psalm 126 says in verse 7 also. My soul had long dwelt with him that hated peace. Now this is David. I am for peace. David said, look, and I want, I want peace. But when I speak, they are for war. And the New Living, it puts it like this. I'm tired of living among people who hate peace. I search for peace, but when I speak of peace, they want war. David is saying here, look, I want to be at peace with people, but some people, they hate peace. All they want to do is war, and people are like that. Some people love drama. Some people 
they're, they're not happy unless there's some type of situation that's going on that causes confusion, right? So when possible, we should make every effort to live in peace with others, but we should also understand that it's not always possible. Okay, when it's not possible, we should separate ourselves from those type of situations. First Thessalonians 5 and 12 and 13 says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And here it is right here. And be at peace among yourselves. So God wants us to what? Live in peace with one another. I mean, there shouldn't be no drama between Christians anyway. Matthew 5 and 9 says, Bless are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And I like what it said in the New Living, God blesses those who work for peace. See, it takes effort to, amen, to have peace with other people. Because it takes us uh, letting go. It's some give and take, should I say. There's some give and take. You have to take some things, amen. We have to give some things. We have to be able to overlook some things and be overlooked, amen, because we all, amen, have faults. We all have shortcomings, and we have to overlook one another's faults. Verse 4 said, there's one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. So we, the body, those of us in the body of Christ, we have one body, amen, many members, one body, one spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, all right? One Lord, Jesus is our Lord. One faith, that's the Christian faith, and one baptism, right? One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So with that being said, listen, I hope you enjoyed this lesson, living up to our Christian calling. With that being said, be blessed. Keep your brother lifted up until we meet again. Amen.